Welcome to Just Clarity, a periodic podcast about digital. Just Clarity is produced by the team at Digital Clarity Group. We help leaders transform the experience they deliver to customers, prospects, and their employees through the effective selection, integration, and adoption of customer experience management technology. Learn more at digitalclaritygroup.com. Welcome to Just Clarity podcast sponsored by Digital Clarity Group. I'm Connie Moore. I'm the Senior Vice President of Research at Digital Clarity Group, and I'll be moderating our call today. Our guest is a very good friend of mine and someone that I rely upon um, when I want to brainstorm or think through issues around business process management, customer engagement, or business transformation. Our guest is Derek Myers, who is a principal with Structured Talent based in London. Prior to that, Derek and I worked together at Forrester Research for a number of years, supporting business process management professionals on their journey for business and customer transformation. And before joining Forrester, Derek was the um, founder and principal of Enix Consulting, where he advised large organizations and software vendors on all aspects of business process management. So Derek, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you, Connie. Today, we're going to be talking about entity modeling and its role in business process modeling and in business process um, deployment. So entity modeling has been around for a long time and is a familiar term to anyone in the information management field. Um, But it's still relatively uh, new to the business process management uh, practitioners uh, lexicon. So could you take us through what entity modeling is and... Why it's surfacing now? Looked at that and thought, you know, there's another way. When you say it like that, workflow, I'm not sure it really is surfacing that well. There are some vendors who have got their head around it, um, and you could argue that it's it's pretty central to what you would think of as as case management. That you know, we'll come on to that, I'm sure. But you know, let's go back to the. The, the information management domain, you know, in the in the 1980s when relational databases uh, first appeared, this whole idea of you, you'd construct a sort of, um, you know, a pure model of the data that you needed, and somehow or other that 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 wonderful model would would permeate all your systems, and all the programmers would 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 get down and and bow to it, um, and rather than creating local variables for their you know, some of the products talk about global variables, for example, that that are available to other processes as well. And then, of course, you get to this point of saying, well, hold on, I've got all these global variables and they all sort of relate to each other. But, but by looking at the structure of the data, you could actually say that, you know, for example, a person has an address, you know, the address is held in an address table because you might have more than one address and a person 
um, you know, obviously salutation, first name, what have you, but the address table, uh, you could then have three addresses or five addresses and you wouldn't be limited necessarily in your user interface. And ultimately, that's the core of entity modeling is that you've got relationships between the entities that are important to you and you can you can use that to um, act as the basis for your your processes and what have you to, to work on. And in a way, I'm segueing now to almost the modern day, um, but some products have had it since the get-go. And if I think back to the approach and the product that I killed off in 1992, you know, we had a core central set of entities that were reused across all processes. And that way, you, you never had to map your local variables in process A to process B, they all just share the same data space. And, and therefore, when I needed to, uh, from the calling process to call a second process, you know, I didn't have to do any mapping. It was very, very simple because they all shared the same data space. And, and that data space was defined through a set of entities. Now, I, I suppose where we get to right now is that you know, we, we had a sort of a, a hiatus in the middle, and I'm talking 90s and, and most of the 2000s, where vendors sort of ignored that for a while, and they always, you know, they, they you know the hard part to standardise was always the data, and, you know, you ended up with very complex process variables in, in you know, solution A being completely unusable again in solution B that you might be developing to take to support your business. And that's really where case management comes in. Should I go there now, Connie, or do you want to? Yeah, I, I, think, I think case management would be good because when you do talk to vendors about entity modeling, they're usually discussing it in terms of case management. So why is that? So ultimately, if you think about the, a piece of work that you're trying to support with processes, it's got a context. That context, you know, in the old days way of designing processes, you'd try and design one process to do everything to do with that context. And that's why you'd have these very arcane and complex uh, variables attached to the processes. Now, with case management, actually what you're really saying is we have this rich data space that we've described with a set of entities, documents, uh, relationships, or what have you. Um, but and the, these things are all related to each other, and are now instead of um, declaring each set of variables for each little process fragment or bit of a process that had to deal with these these things, you've, you're able to sort of use that central uh, context, if you like, and then have multiple processes acting on that data, and that's why it's become much more important because. People have realized the, the the primacy, if you like, of the data structures behind the processes too, because it's not just about, oh, I can move activity A, B, C, D. It's activity A, I'm manipulating this piece of data. Activity B, I'm doing that. And activity C, well, actually, that's a whole new process. And now, rather than having to map all those variables from A and B and, and then into this whole new process, which we can just call C for the moment, um, they all share the same data space, so therefore you can uh, you can just call them, and the variables are the same, and the the names are the same, and the forms that you're using are the same, and all those sorts of things are certainly completely reusable across them. 
Does that make sense, Connie? Yes, it does. And and case management is so rich in terms of the entities um, that are supporting the process. And the process fragments are sometimes um, quite sophisticated in how they are combined to support the process. So entity modeling it makes uh, is particularly well-suited uh, for case management, um, although it's relevant for all processes, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, when you, when you come back to this point, you know, a, a lot of these discussions are so um, vendor-specific. How would I phrase it? You know, some of the vendors, and uh, take a vendor like Bizagi, for example, they have a shared data space at the core of their product and really, you know, their whole um, raison d'etre, if you like, of that product was about the way in which uh, you design this, this, this data almost as a, a virtualization of the underlying databases and things that you're um, interacting with. And your processes then and the forms and things that are part of that process are all insulated, if you like, from the back-end applications where that data comes from. Same sort of approach you might find in something like Pega. You know, there they talk about a fused data model, which is an object model, which is fused with the, the processes and the rules and everything else that operate on it. Same sort of thing in, in, at some one level or another inside Bizagi, for example. Now, if I go back to argument's sake, the... The, uh, the the products, you know, the ones that uh, open text have inherited, for example, um, you know, if you look at Global 360 uh, that was rolled up with the other roll-up of roll-up and, and things that were going on there, they've now rebuilt a sort of entity-based model concept at the core of the way in which processes work because they've realised that it, it's, it's needed um, now I, I've just mentioned three. There's 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 probably three hundred vendors. I think we, if we were to sit down and and try and detail them, at various levels of sophistication, some of them have got this shared data space entity model at the core of what they do. Others just completely ignore it. So you could say, for example, I don't know, SharePoint. Let's choose another one. You know, SharePoint's uh, data stores are in a way it's data model that it's got available to you in the context of the workflows that you're building in SharePoint. Um, but, you know, they're pretty limited because you always have to name them and um, they're, they're actually related back to the SharePoint lists and, and all those sorts of things that are part of that workflow. When you try and reuse them in another one, it starts to get very, very, very complex. Um, and uh, henceforth, you'll find products like Agile Point or K2 or, or what have you that are starting to access that sort of data and, and what's coming across it. I, you know, we could carry on here about different vendors and their different approaches. Some of them have a much deeper appreciation of this. Some of them, it's just like, well, yeah, but why would you want to do that? We can name variables. And you're going, yeah, but yeah, show me. And what does that do? Right. You know, and, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of rubbish out there as well. Uh, always. I, I want to shift gears. Um, that was helpful to look at the different levels of maturity that vendors have uh, about incorporating entity modeling from core to non-existent. Um, let's like take a look at the skill sets. When you look at 
um, changing the mindset so that maybe you start thinking more about things in the organization, the, the variables versus flow. Um, do your process modelers need uh, different skill sets? Do they need retraining? Do they just need, uh, you know, a short course and they're off to the races? What What's required to make the um, shift from a, a staffing point of view? Well, you know, um, I always used to say, uh, object orientation, which is part of really what we're talking about here, the things in the domain that you're you're dealing with, you know, object orientation is a state of mind. You know, um, if I think back to Office Engine, the product I killed in 1992, we had an object abstracted sort of repository that sat under the hood and you built a model of what you want to do and you had built the system. Now, you know, there's nothing particularly new in that. Now, on the other hand, if someone has grown up with programming and they're used to writing a program and declaring the variables for their program and then they're going to go and do some things in their program and then their program's finished and it's going to produce a result on the screen, whatever. Um, Then the whole idea of having named variable pairs as part of your program, and I'm using that word rather than process for the moment, um, makes a whole lot of sense. On the other hand, once you start to say, well, actually, I've got this process and, and you know, let's think back to the 90s, Connie, when you were looking at, uh, I don't know, a file net, you know, application at that time, you'd have these really, really, you know, 300-step processes with lots of redo loops and feedbacks and what have you, whether it's file net or anyone else or staffware or whatever. Um, and, and they'd all have named variable pairs in there. And, and, you know, it was very easy to get into a mess. Because, you know, we'd updated, we'd taken the, I don't know, we'd taken the amount of the account and then some, we'd done some manipulation and then we'd updated the account and then we still had that in working memory and then the client had gone, I want to change things. And actually, it's no longer a short-running process. It's now a long-running process that maybe spans, well, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, whatever. You know, the, the point is that, the state of those uh, of those variables changes and is updated, and you can't always rely on that. Uh, but coming back to the point about those amorphous programs that were written, or those amorphous processes that were written to solve a particular problem, you know that's that's in a way um, you know gone with the dodo bird in the sense that you really want to have a bunch of process fragments that interact with the same data space. Now your question about do the do the folks need retraining? Yeah, if you're a Java programmer and that's all you know, then you know the whole idea of dealing with an entity model that is shared across a number of processes is a bit foreign because you're you're dealing with the you know uh, well I suppose it's a bit foreign in the sense that you might have an XML path <laughs> description that takes you to the XML structure you want to work with, but but you see where I'm coming towards it's. The the point is it becomes a state of mind and you have to start thinking about it's not just about the processes, it's also about the data. Um, and it's the data and the states of that data that you're worried about and the way in which you change state on that data. You could also think about the roles that are involved and the states of those roles. There's so many different angles to what you think of as process 
that, you know, just taking a unidimensional view is where you start getting into trouble. Yeah. So you do have to look at um, the skilling, um, the mindset, the approach that the developers take as um, you incorporate entity modeling into uh, your design approach. Hold on, let me just pick up on a point here. You know, I said that if you had lots of multiple process fragments and a robust entity model underpinning that, that all share the same data space, that actually the, the integration of those processes now becomes an order of magnitude or two, an order of magnitude or two simpler. Because when you're changing from process A to process C, for example, if they share the same data space, you don't have to worry about mapping them, which is what you do when you're writing programs because they're already sharing the same data space and they're managing that context. That means that your business people become the developers of your process fragments rather than necessarily them having to be software developers, right? And it's only, you really only need software developers when you have this, you know, named variable pairs all the time going on and the complexity that goes with that. So it makes the whole thing an order of magnitude or two simpler by having the shared data space that we think of now and we talk about as entity modeling. I think that's a very important uh, point in terms of simpler, which turns into time and money. And just to sort of hone down on that uh, for a second, it just occurred to me, sorry to talk over you. The, the, the point in a way is like this, the further, it's almost like a inversely proportional, the further you get away from the real business need to the point where, you know, the code is developed, then, you know, you're, you're talking almost a logarithmic scale in terms of the cost to maintain and cost to own. I remember in the 90s doing some work for one of the big banks and uh, they'd built lots and lots of different workflow systems and they were about to go for a workflow and in, 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 the, in the UK, this was, you know, across 30, 40,000 employees, right? And they were trying to work out the cost of ownership. And actually, we we found that, you know, at that point, and remember this was the 90s, um, you know, using the prevailing approach that they had on the go there, it was costing them something like, uh, I can't remember whether it was 4,000 or 10,000, but it was, you know, several thousand pounds, $10,000, argument's sake, to change a letter in a process. Now, Today, we think that's laughable because we all just get in there and hack Word, right? And, you know, you hack your Word template and away you go. But in the same sort of thing, in a way, is happening with process changes and the, and the process modeling and what's going on. Because if you have to involve a long chain of developers and consultants and, and people to check and da-da-da, this, that, and the next thing, sure, you've got to have ways of managing the governance of all of this. But, you know, you, you're talking a massive uh, increase in the cost of ownership for an eventual application. And that that has big implications for the sort of democratization of process in the, in the world today and the need for it. That's a great point. So um, I'd like to wrap up um, by let me repeat what I believe your message has been this morning and then you can you can close uh by disagreeing or amplifying it or whatever. But entity modeling is an important capability for business process management software and is something for any buyer of these solutions to look for. 
It's particularly important if you have case management um, processes that you are going to be automating. And I'll add something we have talked around but haven't said explicitly. If you're in a big program, a big initiative to redesign, reinvent, transform multiple processes, it's an absolute requirement. Otherwise, you're going to have a a heck of a time when you start putting multiple uh, processes out, when you start uh, really developing, let's say, 5, 10, 15 processes as part of a major redesign effort. Uh, Is that a good way for our listeners to think about it? Yes, and and uh, yeah, I will amplify it. Um, it goes a bit like this, you know. It, it, when we hear the word transformation, there's a lot of people that you know want transformation. Oh yeah, I need transformation. And, and actually, what they want, as much as anything else, is they want someone else to change their processes, but them not to change. Why? Right? You know, it's 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 a bit like it's. I'm dealing with process A, process B, process C. You know, twenty processes, whatever. Those processes, our need for processes has to be derived from the business need itself rather than how can I fix process A and process B? You know, um, so it's, it's, it's the question becomes one of, is it a band-aid you're looking for or a wellness program? Which one? If you're looking for a wellness program, this approach to actually getting your head around the, the data entities of the uh, of the business, the entity model that, that really underpins the way in which work happens is of paramount importance. You are going nowhere until you do that. Secondly, you know, this the, the point, I suppose, also comes back to why do we need these processes in the first place? Let me give you a, an example. Yesterday I was talking to uh, a big brand and they were uh, involved in a transformation of their partner process and um, actually from, you know, the way in which it was initially scoped, it was actually it was for the really what they really meant was this change the CRM system that under put, underpinned the partner onboarding. And you guessed who that was all about, right? Um, you know, can we please improve our Salesforce application? On the other hand, if you really wanted to reinvent the way in which you, you managed and onboarded partners and managed them through their life cycle, you know, it's a bit like the choice of Salesforce almost becomes a an afterthought, really. It's like, well, let's actually think about why we need these processes, where they fit, how they're going to work first, before we start saying, well, let's just manage the pipeline, the funnel, if you like, of, of, of partners that we're trying to put through this process. You know, and, and that's a sort of microcosm example of the need for starting with a more holistic view of the way in which processes work rather than just running straight towards a solution. And I think that's true for many, many change programs. And it's not just, you know, the role inside a BPM implementation of uh, workflow product X or, you know, BPM product Y or case management product Z, you know, it depends on what they want to call them. But ultimately, you have to get to grips with what's the data? Why do we need to do this stuff? How's it going to work? You know, who's it for? What's the experience we're trying to deliver? And it's not about one process, the sales process or the partner funnel onboarding process. 
It's the how do we deliver value and make that. And from there, you get to the processes you need rather than the ones that just reflect the org chart that you've got already in your business, which is where most people, when they think about process, actually are stuck. They're stuck with the silos they've got, and this is our data, and this is how we see things. And the approach that we're talking about here, entity modeling, is one way of breaking that down because you have to start looking more holistically across the, the value chain. Connie, I'll stop there. Excellent. I think we've uh, done a great job of covering, you've done a great job of covering the topic of entity modeling from the technology development angle all the way up to the business strategy level and where it fits in strategically. Um, So I thank you so much for being our guests this morning, and I look forward, Derek, to many more times that you'll come back and uh, um, be a guest on our program. So thank you. No problem, Connie. Thank you very much. So this wraps it up for today's session on Entity Modeling for Business Process Management. And uh, I'm Connie Moore, and I hope you'll come back and listen to many of our future recordings. Um, That's it for today's Just Clarity recording. Thank you. You have been listening to another episode of Just Clarity, produced by the team at Digital Clarity Group. For more information on the topics we discussed today or the subject of customer experience management, please visit us at digitalclaritygroup.com.